Judges uh, 6, verses 1 to 12. The Israelites, did, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their lands. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Well, good morning. Wasn't last Sunday fun? Can we, can we especially thank the guys behind the barbecue pit? I mean, these guys... So not only was it like 90, mid-90 degrees out there, that was the one part of the park that was in the sun the entire time, and the heat was blowing into their faces. And a number of them uh, didn't have uh, hair to block. It's like, these guys were awesome. And I just want to say thank you. Everybody, all you guys, the people on the bounce houses, uh, that's the real work too. I mean, watching kids jump up and down over and over again. Uh, that takes a lot of energy out of you. But my favorite was just coming together as a community and just being out in the neighborhood, loving folks, even leading up to it with all the flyering that we were out there, door hanging. Just gave us an opportunity, just gave us an excuse to be in the community and then just to serve everybody. So if, if you're here and from that block party and say you heard about us, welcome. You're, you're welcome wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. We're glad you're here. What we've been doing during this time uh, of the services, we've been going through... Uh, the Old Testament, that is the scriptures that lead up to the life of Christ, written centuries before uh, His coming. And uh, in the series, we've been calling it One God, uh, One Story, as looking at uh, two thoughts from the Old Testament, these ancient texts. One, how is it relevant to our lives? And two, how does it all point to Jesus? Because Jesus said, it all points to me, it all builds up to me. But confession, okay, we're starting the book of Judges, we're going to look at the book of Judges today. Uh, I have always found in the past the judges to be about the most depressing read that there is. Uh, in fact, whenever I try to read the Bible from cover to cover, it's not Leviticus that gets me stuck. If you're familiar with your Bible at all, Leviticus is where a lot of the rules and the, the priestly garments are described in great detail. It's all good. It's all helpful. A lot of people get stuck there. I get stuck in judges because it's so depressing. Uh, and I'm not alone because one person has described the book as uh, despicable people doing deplorable things. Um, the Israelites are so ungrateful. At this time in their history, God has provided for them over and over again. As we've been working our way from the beginning of the Bible through to this place, God has provided for them. He's rescued them out of Egypt. He's delivered them into the promised land. And what do they do to thank Him? They say, you know what? We're going to do our things our own way now. 
Uh, and they repeat this over and over again. God's good to them, and they say, you know what? We don't want you. We're fine on our own. Um, and the reason it can be a hard read is because the book of Judges is meant to show us our depravity. It's meant to show us human weakness at large. It's meant to show us our human weaknesses. And the biggest way that the Israelites kind of stuck it to God was worship other gods, worship idols. Now, you might think, how is that relevant today? How does that have any bearing for us? Idolatry is not something that lives and breathes in 21st century America. Uh, the Bible would say, actually, it, it does. It just takes different forms. Uh, this is how Rebecca Pippert uh, summarize this thought. Whatever controls us really is our God. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by people he or she wants to please. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our life. You know, I was musing on this, and I feel like perhaps the biggest idol in our culture is the idol of self. You know, just taking care of our own needs, looking after our, our own things. Um, but God says, he, he, I created you that you'd be selfless that you would look to the needs of others first, that you would love and serve me, the one who is modeled for you, sacrificial love, laying, laying things aside to love and, 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 and bless others. And what the book of Judges shows us on the whole is that there's this downward spiral that happens for the Israelites. The more they say, you know what, we don't need you, God, the more they find themselves not only in trouble, but their cause being more and more lost. Um, and so the question then becomes, why is the book of Judges in the Bible? It's because it's the gospel. It's because the book of Judges shows us the Bible is ultimately not about a moral code or a collection of inspirational stories. The Bible is ultimately a story about a God who relentlessly pursues us even when we constantly are resistant to his, to his purposes. And so what we see today is God's loving us despite us. Um, that happens over and over in the book of Judges, and it's encapsulated here uh, really well in the, in the story of Gideon. So we're going to look at how God loves us despite us and, uh, and, and see at least three ways. Uh, the first is the most straightforward. We see here that God is gracious to us. He loves us even when we don't deserve it. Now, this is the most straightforward of the three. Uh, the, the Israelites were in bad shape. Have you ever seen the movie uh, The Seventh Samurai? It's a classic film. so good. The modern remake is not anywhere near as good, but uh, the, seven, the Magnificent Seven. You've seen that one's cowboy take on it. The Israelites are basically in the same sort of ordeal. The Midianites and all the eastern peoples, their enemies, have kind of gathered, and they're terrorizing the Israelites. Anytime crops produce, come up, they just come in, they take all the food, and they ravage the land. And so they're basically really hopeless. Um, and how this whole thing gets set up is verse 1 says, why is this all happening? The Israelites, verse 1, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. For seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So it's saying right off the top of the, uh, at the, the beginning of this, these guys are in this because they deserve it, essentially. And then when God sends his salvation, his deliverance to ultimately bring these guys and save them out of the hands of the Midianites, that's where the story's headed. Before sending a salvation, he first sends them a sermon. And you see that in verses 8 and 10 where God sends him a prophet, and the, the gist of what the prophet says to him, says to them is, guys, God's been taking care of you. He's been looking after you. He, he delivered you out of Egypt. He's been provi he provided the, the promised land for you, but you've rejected him. What do you expect? These guys don't deserve God's help. And then God sends a judge to deliver them. Now, real quickly, what's a judge? 
Uh, a judge in this case is not the, you know, black robe, gavel holding, you know, English wig, aristocratic, you know, judge. A judge in this case is a deliverer, okay? The, the judges were sent uh, by God to deliver God's people. So to judge their oppressors, in this case the Midianites, uh, to deliver them for their oppressors, and then also, in a sense, in, in all best senses of the use of this word, judge the people to bring them back to who they were meant to be, what they are called to be. Um, but even this judge, Gideon, that God calls and raises up to deliver the people is himself not very impressive, impressive is himself not very deserving to be a part of this good story. Uh, Gideon was a character. I love Gideon. Because when you read about Abraham, Moses, Joshua, as we have over the last uh, several, several weeks, Ruth we're going to be looking at next week, they had their flaws, but by and large, they're some stellar people. They're some good leaders. They, they rest on a lot of what they're able to do with God's help. Gideon has none of that. He is flawed to his core. And God still works with him. For instance, and I don't have time to go through the whole story, Gideon was not a great man of faith. His faith was erratic. It was all over the place. He was constantly asking God, show me a sign so that I can know that you're part of this so that I'll actually do it. God would come and say, I'm with you, mighty warrior. We sang about that even. He comes and says, I'm with you, mighty warrior, Gideon. And Gideon is about the farthest thing from a mighty warrior. He's out there in the wine press, threshing the wheat in the wine press. You know what a wine press is? It's this dugout hole underneath the, the, the surface so that you can, you can do your wine thing there with a little bit of a, of a barrier of a wall over it. So it's this dugout pit, and he, the whole reason he's doing that is so that the dust doesn't go up so high that the Midianites might see him and come take him out. He's living in fear. This guy's unimpressive in so many ways. He's not very deserving, and yet it says to him, the Lord came to him. Uh, Israelites aren't deserving. Gideon's not deserving. But yet God comes to save them, and he calls, them, he calls Gideon mighty warrior, which if it weren't for God calling him mighty warrior, would have been laughable. But here's the gospel. Here's the good news of Jesus, is he doesn't just come and call us mighty warrior. He comes and calls us son, or he comes and calls us daughters of his. Um, you know, I, I've, there's this new, um, uh, have you heard of uh, catechisms? It's kind of a, a, a spiritual practice that's kind of, uh, become uh, not really well used today. Uh, it was used a bunch uh, years ago during the time of Reformation, 1600s, 1500s, 1700s. Um, it's, this, it's this little question and answer format, and the whole purpose is churches would do this. Uh, they would come up and they distill doctrine, biblical truth, into really uh, simple yet rich, compact statements to help kids, but also adults, understand scriptural truths doctrinal truth, so you can understand, have a framework for living life, but also meditating on. And there's this new catechism, which is why I bring all this up, uh, that's come out. They're like, we've got to bring this practice back, and it's been pretty helpful. I've been looking at it and kind of meditating on my own self. Um, it's taking old catechisms and, and modernizing them. But the first question and answer of this new catechism is, what is our hope in life and death? And the answer to that is, our, our hope in life and death is that we belong to God and our, our Savior, Jesus. And, and I love that, that word because it's so powerful that we belong to God. Where's our hope? Where does everything come down to that we belong to Him? And it's so connected that we don't necessarily deserve that. But we belong to Him. He is with us. He calls us mighty warrior. He calls us son and daughter, even when we don't necessarily deserve it. I was thinking about this thought this week when uh, one of my kids, who will remain nameless and genderless as long as I can use pronouns correctly here, 
um, was having a hard day, having a hard little last few days. And, uh, you know, I mean, just acting up and all the frustrations that go along with that. And I was uh, putting this little one down at night and uh, lying next to them. And, and their back of the head was to me, and they were, they were falling asleep. And I just, you know, the day was frustrating, and, you know, there's different things that happened or whatever. But I was just, I couldn't help but feel overwhelmed with love for this little one. And I, and I realized, you know, it's because they belong to me. I was looking at the back of the head, and I was just like, man, this little loving character is so awesome. And my heart was filled with love because they belonged to me. And it was in that moment that I remembered, oh, my goodness, how much more does God love us in his perfect love, in our imperfect ways, filled with overflowing love for with, despite us, when we don't even deserve it. That's the gospel, that God loves us even though we do, when we don't deserve it. The second thought, just to keep moving here, is God is gracious to us when we don't seek it, when we're not even looking for it. I mean, verse 6 seems to me to be such human nature. If you have your Bibles, you can look at it. I'll, I'll read it here for you. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Let me, let me summarize that for you. They ran out of other options. They hit rock bottom. And they're like, okay, we should probably reach out to God now. Which, have you ever done that? Religious and non-religious alike, I feel like we do that. God, where are you? If you're even there, now's the time. They didn't even, they were just like, you know, last-ditch effort. God, would you help? Gideon's even better. Gideon was just doing his little threshing thing, and God came up to him. I would like to think that a hero that God is going to raise up to deliver his people would be like the kid on the end of the basketball bench who's saying, put me in, coach, I can do it. Gideon wasn't even on the bench, let alone in the court. He was trying, he, he had nothing to do with this, but God came up to him and says, Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Israelites were kind of last-ditch effort. Gideon himself wasn't even seeking God, and yet God came. It says the Lord came and sat under the oak and initiated this rescue plan. I love that. He, he seeks after us even when we ourselves are not seeking. Um, I will never forget about a year ago, I was called one day randomly uh, to visit a hospital. Uh, there was an elderly lady who was on her deathbed. El Camino Hospital, and the person who had called me was like three relationships removed, so it was like a friend of a friend of a friend, um, had heard that I was a pastor, said, you know, and so I went, and I didn't really know what I was, what to expect, and I, when I got there, I, I came to the hospital corridor, and I was going down the hall, and I just saw tons of what would, what were family members hanging out outside, and for the most part, what most of them kind of thought of me as they found out I was a pastor was like kind of, you know, very cordial, very nice, but kind of, what's he doing here, like that kind of deal. Uh, I was trying to figure out what I was doing there, by the way, um, and I wanted to be honoring and respectful and all that sort of thing. Uh, the the, the a lady came up to me and said, thank you so much for coming. I'm the one who called so-and-so who called so you know, the whole thing, and um, I, I'm, I'm her daughter. Uh, my mom's on her deathbed. Actually, she's not, she hasn't been responsive for a while now, but thanks so much for coming. She, she, we never went to church growing up. Uh, we, she didn't take us to church, but I always knew, I always knew that her faith meant, a, meant, meant something to her. Um, from, from the past. And so I just thought it'd be good to call someone. So thanks for coming. I was like, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm honored to be here. And then um, one other lady came up to me before I went into the hall, uh, the aunt, so the, 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 the elderly lady's um, sister. She came up to me, and it was interesting. She started by, like, barraging me with all these, like, questions about my faith. I think she was, like, doing, giving me, like, a sniff test to make sure I wasn't part of some, like, weird cult or something. But she asked me all these questions, and when I satisfied her, she was like, I'm so glad you're here. I've been praying for my sister, and for the family you see here for decades, that God would show his love to them. 
And I'm sitting here. I'm just trying to get all this input and make sense of it, okay? I'm, and I realize I'm getting ready to go on this story. So I finally, I'm invited inside the room. And uh, everybody came in with me, by the way. I thought I was just going to go in. but So we're in this room, and there's all these people standing around. And the son goes up, and he says, uh, Mom, if you can hear me, uh, there's a pastor, priest, pastor uh, here to see you. Um, would you, you know, he's, he's going to say a few words. And I just, I just went up, and I'm just, okay, Lord, help, please. Um, and I said, I said, you know, if you, you know, ma'am, you know, if you can hear me, which my training told me that if, if you're in a coma, you know, you can still talk as if they can hear you, because oftentimes they can. Um, and I said, ma'am, if you can hear me, I, first of all, I'm honored to be here. You have a wonderful family, that sort of thing. And I said, yeah, I was called, and I'm, you know, I'm a Christian pastor, and I heard that you, you know, you went to church when you were young, and your faith might be something that's, that's been important to you in your, in your life. Um, I really have only one thing to share with you today, and that's uh, what the Bible calls the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Um, and so I'm going to read a verse or two from the Bible, and then I'll say a word or two and pray, and, and I'll let you back to your family. So I picked up my Bible, and I just, I just started reading, uh, actually a verse that I, I had memorized, but I, for whatever reason I read it from the Bible. And I said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So I'm looking at my Bible, and then the craziest thing happened. I lower my Bible, and she's looking at me like full gaze. I'm not making this up, like intent on, on my face, locked on me, with tears in her eyes, with, the, with the, all that I can interpret that is I'm listening to everything you're saying. And I'm just, if I hadn't, like, connected spiritually for me that, oh, God might be doing something, I would have been freaked out be honest with you. I'm seriously. Um, but I just took this as a sign, okay, God, God might be working here. And I just said to her, I said, look, that this is the good news, that there's nothing you or I could do to earn the salvation that God gives us, that we can have uh, eternal life with him. If we just believe in his name and receive him, that's it. Nothing that you could have ever done or have done in the past, but just believe on him. You can believe that now. And when I said that, her, her mouth started to quiver a little bit. And, um, and so I kind of interpret that to say, okay, you know, if you can't, if, and if you can't speak right now, he knows what's going on in your heart. You can receive him even in your heart. Uh, I said a prayer, and I left the room, and, I, and I'm not making this up either. As I was leaving the room, it seemed to me, I don't know for sure, but it seemed to me she was going back into her unresponsive state. And the aunt ran up after me afterwards and said, did you see that? And, I, and she's like, did you see that her mouth was, like, moving a little bit when you, like, called her to accept faith in Jesus? I said, I did see that. She said, what do you think that meant? I said, who knows? Only God knows the heart, but I can't help but think that maybe she received Jesus. And she's like, that's what I thought. And I was walking back to the car and, um, you know, still with a heavy heart, praying for her. She actually ended up passing away that night. Um, uh, just like, God, what just happened? Like, I, I, I had no plans that day to go to a hospital, let alone meet somebody I don't know three relationships removed. Um, I didn't plan for that. The person who reached out to me to like, you know, through those three relationships was just kind of willy-nilly doing it. Um, and then there's this aunt and all that sort of thing. And I was just like, I was just, I was just floored with, my goodness, God seeks us even when we don't necessarily seek him. I mean, even when we can't even speak speak if that's what was happening there. I was just, my goodness, God seeks us. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. The Ephesians puts it this way. We were dead in our sins, our transgressions. But Christ Jesus raised us from the dead. 
And all that takes is not something we do, but what he's done for us in believing on his name is receiving it. The Bible is not, old, is not about a moral code. It's not inspirational stories. If it's about inspirational stories, don't read Gideon too long. Don't read about the Israelites too long. It'll depress you. It's depressed me until I realized one God, one story. It's all pointing to Jesus. It gets even more mind-boggling. God is gracious to us, number three, even when we don't appreciate it. Even when we don't appreciate it. Uh, I don't, ha again, have the time to go through all of the book of Judges, uh, or even, even uh, the story of Gideon. You can look at it later, but it's Judges 6 through uh, 8. But let me, spoiler alert, you know, get to the end. God raises up Gideon, uh, delivers God's people, uh, his people through Gideon in a way that's just like, oh my goodness, it can't, no one could look at this and help but see it was God's doing. Um, it was God who did this. And the story ends with the Israelites say, okay, we saw the error of our ways and we love you, God, and we'll worship you. Nope. <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. The story ends with the Israelites coming to Gideon, rule over us. You and your son and your grandson, because you have saved us from the land of Midian. But Gideon told him, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you, which so far so good. Which, by the way, though, he named his son Abimelech. That's another story in the book of Judges, which means the son of a king. So Gideon actually had a little bit of a pride issue. I don't have time to go into all that. That sounds like a good answer. He's still an interesting character. But anyways, it gets, it, it, here's where it really takes a downturn. And he said, I do have one request, however, that each of you give me an earring, from your share of the plunder. It was a custom of the Israelites to wear gold rings. They answered, we'll gladly give them to you. So they spread out a garment. Each gave them a ring and all this plunder. Verse 27, Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Oprah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Down to verse 33, no sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal uh, Bereth as their God, and did not remember the Lord their God, who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. God is gracious to them. He would go on to save them a few more times, even in the book of Judges, despite this. Do you now see why it's like, man, I'm reading the book of Judges in the past, and I just get so depressed. It's like, oh my goodness. But this is the gospel. Praise God that he saved people who would return to their sin, have pattern of sin, because that's what he does for you and me. Even if we return, he still loves us, even when we don't appreciate, even when we don't fully appreciate, he loves us. One of the most powerful texts in the Bible, you've heard me quoted up here before, to me, is Romans 7. Paul, the great apostle Paul, many of us are, if you're a Christian today and you don't have Jewish descent in you, uh, you are likely a believer today because of Paul. Uh, this guy who wrote a lot of the Bible, great guy, gave his life as a martyr, loving people. He sacrifices, even still, in Romans 7, he says, when it comes down to it, the things I know I should be doing, I don't do those things. The things I know I sh should be doing, excuse me, I'm, I know I shouldn't be doing, I do those things. And he summarizes that whole thought by saying, essentially, who will save me from this body of sin? Who will save the Israelites from not only the Israelites themselves, but their own judges? Gideon was like one of the better ones, by the way. Paul goes on to say, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. Who will save the people is the same one who saves Paul, the same one who saves us, and that is Jesus. This points to him, the, the, the true and greater judge. 
the one who, as the Son of God, had every right to judge us for everything that we've done, the patterns of all the stuff that we could do, going after all these different gods, success, comfort, whatever you love, whatever it might be, true and greater judge who could have judged us, but the gospel is on the cross, he took our judgment for us. And he is the true and great and mightier warrior that we sung about in defeating not just the Midianites, the human oppressors, but the oppressors of our souls, sin and death. By defeating that, that when we receive him, that we put our faith in him, that's the gospel. Nothing we could do, but everything that he has done for us. Here's my takeaway from today's message. Maybe it's helpful to you. Maybe you have something else that uh, comes to your mind. My takeaway today is just to appreciate God's love just a little bit more. Because what I think the book of Judges forces me to do, forces us to do, is to see a little bit more deeply my own flaws, my own failings, my own lack of appreciation, my own lack of initiative, all of that. But as, as I see more deeply my sin, I see more deeply his love for me, that I belong to him, that he comes and he says to you and to me, the Lord is with you. Not just mighty warrior, daughter of mine, son of mine. You belong to me. I am with you. Um, and so that's the, that's the gospel message back even in the depressing book of, book of Judges. It's not depressing because it points to the one who takes care of us, even despite us. And the call of Gideon is it shows us that not only does, love, does God love us and is gracious despite us, he wants to extend his love and his grace to others despite us still. And so that's what we consider to be our calling here at Current. Uh, let's pray. Father, we are just so thankful for your love, your grace, that we just, we couldn't earn if we wanted to. And yet the gospel of Jesus is that you came to live the life that we couldn't live and to die the death that we deserve, that we might have life in your name. You gave your life that we might have life. And so actually, I want to give an opportunity for those of you here today, if you'd like to receive this love, uh, like I said to that, that lady on, on, her, on her deathbed, um, this is something that happens in our hearts. It's just something we receive. When we believe on his name, when we receive him, he gives the right to become children of God, it says. And if you would like to receive him in your heart today, uh, you can indicate that by raising your hand today. I'll see it. It's not that me seeing it makes that uh, a difference, but I'll see it and pray for you. Um, and the Lord will receive you into his family. If you'd like to receive his love today, you can raise your hand now. I'll see it. I'll pray for you. Give you one, give, give you a few moments here. Father, we just want to, as a church, just declare, well, man, we're not perfect. We're far from it. But we follow the one whose, whose love is made perfect in our weakness. Um, thank you for examples like Gideon uh, that are encouraging in the sense of, you know, we don't have to have our act all together, and that's the point. Um, we love you, Father. Please bless the rest of this time. Please give us a good rest of the day. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.